Hi, welcome to this uh, Cato Policy Forum. My name is Stuart Anderson. Uh, I am an uh, adjunct scholar here at the Cato Institute and executive director of uh, another organization, National Foundation for American Policy. And um, it's our, uh, our special uh, privilege to have Representative Flake here shortly. He's, he, has, uh, he has some votes he's going to have. And so we are going to uh, get started with... Uh, with uh, Dan Griswold, who is the director of uh, Cato Institute Center for Trade Policy. And uh, after Dan speaks, um, we're going to eventually maybe, if the congressman is not able to be here yet, we may open up for questions and then go to him as soon as he's, uh, he's able to get here. Uh, Dan has been at the Cato Institute since 1997, uh, actually took, uh, took over for me when I was at the, at the Cato Institute. And he has authored many studies on immigration and globalization. He's done, uh, uh, done a number of studies on immigration, such as the comprehensive immigration reform, finally getting it right. And Dan also uh, has testified on Capitol Hill several times, uh, been on numerous uh, television programs, um, pol policy programs, right? Okay. And... Uh, and he has, is the author, actually, of, of an excellent book I recommend to everyone, uh, Mad About Trade. So, Dan, why don't you get us started? Thank you, Stuart, and thank you, everybody, for coming today for this uh, Cato Hill briefing on uh, immigration reform, and in particular, uh, the temporary worker program aspect of it. Uh, if we're guilty of anything today, it's being a little too timely uh, when I left uh, my desk uh, about half an hour ago, the president was in the middle of his speech at American University uh, on immigration reform. Uh, I understand Congressman Flake is at that speech. That's one reason why uh, he'll be a little late uh, today. I, I believe that to solve a problem, you first have to understand how you got into the problem. And I think it's important to look at why we have those uh, 11 million people here illegally uh, and, and without documents. I think it's important to understand the role that they play in the U.S. labor market and, and the role that immigrants play uh, in general. And when I heard the president's speech this morning, I think I could have given 90% uh, of his speech. He does a good job of kind of outlining uh, America's immigrant heritage. And immigrants are valuable in a large measure to the extent that they're not like us. Uh, immigrants tend to be overrepresented on the higher end of the skill spectrum. Uh, engineers and physics professors, and on the lower end of the skill spectrum, where most Americans are, are solidly uh, in, in the middle. With low-skilled immigration, uh, it's really a story of demand and supply. Why do we have these 11 million people here illegally? Well, our economy in normal times uh, creates hundreds of thousands of net new jobs each year in lower-skilled categories. We're a high-tech, high-skilled economy, but we continue to create lower-skilled jobs in retail, in cleaning, in landscaping, in food processing. We all know where these jobs are. And yet at the same time, the pool of Americans who've traditionally filled those jobs, uh, lower-skilled Americans, those without a high school uh, diploma, continues to shrink. This is basically a good story. Back in the early 1960s, if you can believe it, half of adults in the workforce did not have a high school diploma. Uh, today it's under 10% and continues to drop. The number of people, adults in the workforce without a high school diploma, dropped by 3 million over the last decade. It's going to drop by another 2 or 3 million over the next decade. So you have this structural gap uh, 
uh, in the workforce of continuing growth in low-skilled jobs and a shrinking of the pool of Native Americans who've traditionally filled those jobs. Yet here's the rub. There's no sufficient legal channel in our immigration system for immigrant workers to enter the country and fill those jobs in an orderly, legal way. You know, if you have a master's degree in computer programming, there's a way to get in, the H-1B program. If you marry an American citizen, there's a way to come in through family immigration. But if you're just a peaceful, hardworking Mexican or Central American, you know there's a job here in the United States, you can't come in legally, the result is widespread illegal immigration. Uh, we have tried a policy of enforcement only uh, on our laws, and it's failed. You know, I, I ask my conservative friends, how much do we need to spend on a program before we admit failure? Uh, since 1992, the U.S. Border Patrol's annual budget has grown by more than 700%. The number of Border Patrol agents stationed along the southwest border has grown fivefold, from 3,500 to over 17,000. We built hundreds of miles of ugly fence uh, across the border with Mexico, much of it on private property, <clears throat> yet the number of illegal immigrants during that period has roughly tripled. Now imagine the complaints we'd hear about, say, an education program where spending has grown by 700% and the problems grown by three times. The only answer is comprehensive immigration reform. Uh, I agree with uh, Homeland Security Secretary Napolitano, who said immigration reform is like a three-legged stool. You need all three legs for it to work, one leg being a robust, workable, temporary worker program, the other leg, another leg being legalization of those who are already here, and it doesn't have to be amnesty. It's probably not going to be amnesty. We're talking about fines, back taxes, security checks, uh, getting in back of the line to apply for uh, permanent legal status, and then, of course, smart enforcement for those who are still operating outside the system. Uh, we passed a law in 1986 that had immigration reform in the title, the Immigration Reform uh, <clears throat> and Control Act. Uh, that had two legs of the stool. Uh, it did have something that uh, probably was amnesty by any definition. We legalized almost three million people. You've been here five years or more. Here's your green card. Uh, we had stepped-up enforcement on the border, uh, <clears throat> sanctions for the first time in U.S. history against companies that knowingly hired illegal immigrants. Uh, looking back, uh, just about everybody acknowledges that was a failure. Uh, not because we didn't enforce it enough, but because it was missing uh, a temporary worker program to accommodate future flows. We had a one-time legalization, uh, but no accommodation of future flows, so the bathtub just started uh, filling up again. Uh, I've cited research from uh, uh, Stewart uh, about the Bracero program uh, in the 1950s. We also had a problem then with illegal immigration in the early 50s. Uh, we were apprehending a million people uh, a year at the border. The Bracero program was a temporary worker program primarily for farm workers working in the southwest. It had its flaws, uh, tied workers too closely to employers for one thing, uh, but we learned a positive lesson from that. We increased enforcement, but we also dramatically increased the number of visas available, the opportunities for legal immigration, and apprehensions at the border dropped by 95%. And maybe Stuart can elaborate on that uh, in a minute. <clears throat> there would be economic gains besides uh, a drop in illegal immigration. There would be economic gains uh, from comprehensive immigration reform. 
The Cato Institute published a study uh, last summer. We had an event, I think, uh, right about uh, here in this room uh, by a couple of economists who've done work for Homeland Security Department, the International Trade Commission, uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. It was a comprehensive uh, equilibrium model of the U.S. economy, and they came to the conclusion that comprehensive immigration reform uh, resulting in uh, an increase in legal immigration by low-skilled immigrants would increase the income of U.S. households, native-born and legal immigrant households, by $180 billion uh, within 10 years uh, after implementation. The biggest effect would come from something that they call the occupation mix effect. When low-skilled immigrants come into the country, they allow the economy to expand. This creates job opportunities further up the ladder for middle-class Americans as managers, as sales representatives, as uh, accountants. Over time, we move up the skill ladder to jobs that are more productive uh, with better pay. <clears throat> also, the immigrants themselves become more productive when they're legalized. They invest more in their job and their language skills, and that productivity is captured in the economy uh, to the benefit of all Americans. Money that's been wasted on smugglers' fees is allowed to go into the above-ground economy, some of it captured in government fees. Wouldn't we rather have these workers and their employers paying three or $4,000 to the government in fees rather than to a, a, a coyote to smuggle them across? Uh, more immigrants mean more investment, and that also produces more revenue for the government. And as people shift into these higher-paying, more productive jobs, they tend to have lower structural unemployment, so you actually have net job gains. Not surprisingly, the study found that if we were to be successful at constricting low-skill immigration by, say, 30 percent, this would extract a cost on U.S. households because of a smaller economy, because of less uh, job opportunities, and it would actually cost those same households about $80 billion a year. So just do the simple math, $180 billion gain from reform an $80 billion loss from trying to uh, further enforce the current law, that comes to about a quarter of a trillion dollars, which last time I checked is, is still real money uh, even here in Washington. You know, uh, a mantra you're hearing lately is, well, we must control the border first. You might even grant the arguments that I've just made, but we must control the border first. There, there are some major problems with that. One, we are controlling the border now perhaps more than any time in history. We certainly have more resources there. We have a better idea of who's coming and going than at any time in history. But secondly, and more fundamentally, it makes no sense to demand that a flawed and unworkable law be fully enforced before we talk about changing the law. In fact, I think changing the law is essential to getting control of the border. Imagine being back in 1932 as we were wrestling with the obvious failures of prohibition and to have somebody say, we can't change this prohibition until we fully enforce it, until we've smashed every moonshine still and put every bootlegger uh, out of business. No, you change the law and that transforms the whole enforcement question. And I think immigration reform would have the same effect on the underground labor market as repealing prohibition had on the underground alcohol market. Another complaint you hear, hold, hold the applause please. <laughs> uh, another complaint you hear is that uh, low-skilled immigrants will lead to an explosion in social spending. 
there's a little bit of truth to that. It is, it does, is a net cost on government for any low-skilled worker, immigrant or native-born. But I think those costs tend to be exaggerated. And as our Cato study found, the costs are overwhelmed. The fiscal impacts, particularly on state and local governments, is overwhelmed by the broader positive uh, economic impact. There have been state-level studies, including a very good study for the Texas Controller's Office uh, in 2006 that found the same thing in Texas. And uh, there's a state that's uh, one of the leading states in terms of the presence of illegal uh, immigrants. They found, yes, indeed, uh, they impose a cost of $500 million a year on state and local governments, but that's more than offset by a $5 billion increase uh, in the state's uh, economy to the benefit of state residents. We need to wall off the welfare state, not wall off our country. You also hear that immigrants, low-skilled immigrants, are swelling the underclass and leading to problems. Congressman, come on up. Uh, glad you could join us. I'm just, just finishing up. <clears throat> you also hear that uh, low-skilled immigrants are swelling the underclass and creating all sorts of problems in oh, states like Arizona, uh, a, a alleged... Uh, uh, immigrant crime wave, but when you scratch below the surface, you find okay, you, you find that immigrants are amazingly hardworking and have a, uh, an amazing uh, labor force participation rate, and they are actually less likely to commit crimes than their native-born counterparts. Once they get into the country, they want to stay out of trouble. Uh, one of the things I pointed out in Arizona is that the crime rates there, violent and property crimes, are the lowest they've been in 40 years. Now, to conclude, we could reduce illegal immigration in the United States through enforcement, but at what cost? How many billions more do we need to spend? How many more agents do we need to station at the border? How many more factories and kitchens do we need to, to raid with uh, guns drawn? How many more miles of ugly fence do we need to build across private property? How many more liberties do Americans need to surrender in the form of a national ID card uh, or employment verification schemes, all in the dubious cause of enforcing an unworkable and flawed law that is out of step with the needs and the values of this great nation? There's a better way. We can change our immigration laws to reflect the needs and choices that millions of Americans make in the labor market every day. Comprehensive immigration reform, including a robust temporary worker program, <clears throat> would secure the border, protect our liberties, and expand the economy to create better paying jobs uh, for Americans. Thank you very much. Um, I know Representative Frank is going to have to uh, leave for some votes, so um, let me just make a brief introduction and note that um, something that comes up in the immigration debate is an old saying that the angriest person in the room doesn't necessarily have the right answer. All right, that's not actually an old saying. I made that up, but <laughs> but still, it's actually it's it's very true, and particularly um, when you look at. Uh, uh, Representative Flake, who's clearly not the angriest person in the room, and uh, and uh, he's going to have to leave for vote. You, you want to speak before? Yes. Uh, Representative Flake is uh, serving his fifth term in Congress, represents the 6th Congressional District of Arizona, and we will let him start speaking. Thank you. <laughs> Since I did call votes already, I'll just kind of leave this behind and uh, speak extemporaneously for a bit. Um, 
But I can be here for about 10 minutes and then hopefully come back after votes, depending on how long they take for some Q&A, if we can. Uh, I just, the reason I was late here is uh, I went to hear the president speak uh, on comprehensive reform. Uh, he issued a call for the Congress to uh, enact comprehensive reform. I hope that we do. I, I, I am a little doubtful that we can in an election year. Um, it, it's difficult in, under any circumstances to uh, get the political will uh, to do it, but uh, but we we need it more desperately now than we ever have. You see, states like Arizona uh, ready to move ahead. As as many of you know, I I spent uh, a week alone last summer on a deserted island in the South Pacific, just me and about 50 acres of island and uh, nothing else. Nobody else didn't see another person for an entire week. And speared my own food and and uh, filtered my own water and everything else. And I had. A little immigration system myself there. Uh, it wasn't too hard. Any hermit crab that uh, entered the boundaries of my little camp there was a. Uh, I gave had a sharpie pen and uh, I labeled them and turned them loose and see if they would come back. And uh, by the end of the week, I'd labeled 126 of them, and they. Uh, I, I knew them all. Number one was a favorite. He kept coming back. Number 44. Number 68. And. <laughs> Anyway, it's about all I had, and I, I respected the boundaries that the sharks uh, maintained outside of the island as well. Uh, sometimes in Congress, I've, I've, particularly this year, I've longed to be back where the issues are simpler there. But with regard to immigration, uh, we, we can't, uh, no man is an island, and certainly this country cannot uh, live as an island. We are a global economy, and, and we have to recognize that. And, and calls uh, to, to simply seal off the U.S. from any outside influence or entry or anything else are simply unrealistic. And that's why it's important, particularly to fix the situation we have now, uh, to, to have what really is comprehensive reform. That's why I appreciate the work of Dan Griswold and Cato. Uh, they have added a, a non-angry, uh, very uh, uh, reasonable voice on this issue for a long time, and it's been extremely helpful for those of us on Capitol Hill to see. Uh, but what we need in terms of comprehensive, and Dan kind of outlined it, uh, first you need increased border security. Uh, we, there's no getting around it. We have problems on the southern border. Um, you can look at statistics and say there are fewer apprehensions, and you can put a happy face on some of it, but there's also some violence. We had a rancher killed a while ago uh, who was, uh, it looks like, aiding an illegal immigrant uh, to try to help him. Um, and, and when situations like that happen, you also have increased drug violence that you haven't had before. And, and so the, the situation and feeling on the border is certainly unstable. And, and, and we certainly need to address those issues. But it's very difficult to address the issues of drug violence and, and lawlessness when you're having to look after everyone who simply wants to come and mow a lawn. And there's a way that we can deal with that, and that is to create a legal framework uh, for people to come into the country and then depart. And if we're able to have that, it's much easier to secure the border. So there's a lot of talk about not moving ahead with any immigration reform or any, any other parts of the comprehensive reform until we have made that border secure. I believe that it is far easier to make the border secure if we do comprehensive from the start, and that means 
having a legal framework for people to come across, of course, increased border enforcement, interior enforcement, and some mechanism to deal with those who are legally here already. I was glad to hear the President also mention some of the issues, uh, not just with low-skill labor that we typically think of when it comes to immigration reform, but reforming our legal uh, immigration as well. Um, many of you know we have a big problem with people coming here. It's not a problem, it's an opportunity. People coming here, about 65% of the graduates in the so-called STEM fields, math and science and engineering, uh, are foreign-born, those, those who graduate with PhDs in our U.S. universities. The problem is there aren't enough visa slots for them to stay, and so we educate them and then turn around and wave goodbye and say, uh, say go on back to your home country and compete with us. Uh, I've introduced legislation called the Staple Act, where, where we could staple a green card onto a diploma. Basically, that's what it means. That's what the acronym stands for. And, and when you talk to the high-tech titans and others, they will tell you we need to not just allow them to stay. We ought to roll out the welcome mat and the red carpet to anybody with a Ph.D. in the STEM fields. Obviously, you do background searches, and, and, uh, and you don't want to have anybody who, who would uh, jeopardize national security. But beyond that, uh, we ought to welcome them here because they create jobs. When you look at Silicon Valley, uh, you realize uh, how many of these businesses that employ tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans were started by foreign-born individuals who are allowed to stay here, and we need to make that far easier. So comprehensive or immigration reform has to be comprehensive, and we have to look not just at the low-skill labor needs that we have and will have for a while. When our economy picks up again, and it will, uh, we will have needs that will remain unfilled. Part of the problem with uh, the immigration reform that we did in 1986 is we had an amnesty. We said, hey, if you can prove that you've been here for five years, you have a shortcut to a green card. We did that. We allowed, we took care of the population or most of the population that was here illegally, but we didn't count on more labor needs. We assumed if we regularized those who are here, we're okay. And the day that that law was signed, or that act was signed into law, it was out of date because we needed more labor, and we will in the future here as well, and we need to recognize that. If we don't, we'll have the same problems years from now that we're, in, that we're having today. And so that's why it's important to do comprehensive and to make sure that, uh, that we have all the elements. Um, what has been introduced so far this year on the Democratic side is not comprehensive. Uh, Luis Gutierrez has introduced legislation. It has, I think, uh, over 100 co-sponsors now. Uh, nobody on the Republican side at this point. I'd, I would like to work with Luis on this, as we have in the past with the Strive Act. Uh, but thus far, this legislation is not comprehensive. It doesn't have a robust uh, uh, temporary worker program. Uh, it has uh, some changes to the penalties for those who are here illegally, and it's just not uh, comprehensive. And, and so we're going to need that. But uh, thank you for having me here, and, and thank you again to Cato for all the good work you do on this. I'm going to go vote and then hopefully come back for some of the Q&A. Thanks. Okay. Dan has asked me just to say a few words uh, about what he had referenced on the uh, Bracero program, and then we can take questions, and then um, I guess the congressman is planning to come back. Uh, what Dan alluded to is that uh, back in uh, around the time of World War II, a program started called the Bracero program, 
uh, in which we had me Mexican contract labor come into the United States. Uh, what happened is at some point there started to be uh, problems, con concerns about illegal immigration back in the early 50s. And what the then INS commissioner uh, did, General Swing, uh, he went to, what he did is he went to the agricultural, to the growers, and said, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to have a crackdown uh, at the border. Uh, and eventually that manifested itself in what was called uh, the politically incorrect Operation Wetback. And, uh, and that was a very, you know, they, they actually did some tactics that would actually would do today, uh, but some went obviously much, much further, and there were even concerns that they were deporting people who were legally in, in, in the country. Uh, but what he also did at the same time was say to the growers, we're going to make it easier for you to bring in people legally. And that they responded. Uh, you know, it was not it was not a uh, an outcry uh, from the growers. Um, and what what happened during that time period? Well, in 1953, apprehensions were about 800. And, <clears throat> excuse me, apprehensions at the border, which is often considered a proxy for illegal entry. Apprehensions at the border in 1953 were 885,000. Uh, as Bracero admissions increased because of the more lenient uh, entry terms, uh, apprehensions fell to a low of 45,000 in 1959. And that's the 95% uh, decrease in illegal entry that Dan Griswold was, was referring to. Now, the Bracero program was not, was not perfect. There were concerns that people weren't, weren't paid properly uh, and concerns about working conditions. But just because there were some you know that there were flaws in some of the some of the mechanics of the program. That doesn't mean that that uh, that this, this, the same concept uh, would not work well today in other and another and doing it with with somewhat different rules. Particularly if you were expanding it to work that is uh, other types of temporary visas that aren't necessarily as as you know, under the same types of conditions necessary in agriculture, although you do need to expand uh, the ability for people to work in agriculture, too. The rules now are very, uh, are very difficult uh, for employers and even and for the workers, too, in, in different ways, and, and not that many access in, rel rel in relative terms to the number of people who come in illegally. What it really shows, what I think the, the looking at the Bracero program shows, is that there's been a lot of things said about about uh, people who come in illegally, but the main thing that the, what this shows is that they're actually uh, cap very capable and do act rationally in terms of that if you had a choice between running across the desert or swimming uh, or swimming across a, a river where you might drown um, or taking a bus ticket and coming across the border to work legally. What the Bracero program basically showed, uh, whether how, how, you know, however people were coming legally, they were coming legally, and they were had no problems with availing themselves of of the legal means. It was a rational decision that they were making at the time, and and but today, what you see is the problem is that people don't really have those opportunities to come legally, and so they're coming across uh, the border. And and actually, every year, one thing we didn't mention. Uh, is that uh, hundreds of people die every year 
trying to get in uh, across the border. So clearly people would, would rather have an opportunity to come in legally and safely um, if those opportunities were there. But, but under U.S. law, they're really not there in terms of someone being able to work at, at, at low-skilled jobs uh, on a temporary basis.